You know something? No so for you! Come back one year! Yeah, we both have so much in common. We both love soup. Soup's not a meal! You were supposed to buy me a meal! I'm not stopping you from eating! Go ahead and eat, get anything you want! That's a lot of soup! That's a lot of soup! It looks delicious. What is up, everybody? It is Tuesday, February 15th. The Los Angeles Rams are Super Bowl 56 champions. Yeah, as soon as I saw the Odell trade earlier in the year, I'm not going to be an I told you so guy, and I didn't put money behind it. But as soon as they got Odell, I called up my buddy, and I was like, dude, the Rams are winning the Super Bowl. Check it. Now, to be honest, I mean, it was, it was iffy. I, I love the game. I've been seeing people out there saying it was a boring game, this and that. I thought it was, like, close. It was up and down for both teams. Like, what did you think of the game? I thought it was a pretty good game. I mean, I had put up a blog last week on, I thought, on what I thought would happen. And, yes, the Rams won, but I want to be the first to admit it did not go like I predicted or thought it would happen. Um, they could not run the ball, which was very, very surprising to me. I didn't think that they would finish the game so poorly. I think they had about 56 yards on 22 attempts. I mean, Cam Akers was 13 attempts for 21 yards. Pretty bad, pretty bad. Both teams decided to throw the ball. I think the constant that everyone predicted that came true was the Rams would get after Joe Burrow. They got after him all day long. He was pressured on 46% of his dropbacks, which is ridiculous, uh, especially for a, a team that threw the ball 33 times. Burrow played pretty well. Interested to see what happens with his knee, whether he was hurt the entire second half or not. Joe Mixon threw a touchdown pass. That was pretty cool. That was a sick trick play. Um, the game started out on fire. I mean, both teams are moving it. The Rams are moving it at will, throwing it all over. Odell got hurt. Uh, looks like he tore his ACL. We all kind of saw it. There's no word officially on what happened to him yet, but that seems like what happened based on all the evidence that we have and him grabbing his knees, he went down. But this game was 20 to 13 with 10, 15 left in the third quarter. And I finished 23 to 20. So there wasn't a lot going on in the end of the third quarter and pretty much all of the fourth quarter. Uh, I thought Stafford played all right. The deep interception was his fault. I don't know why he threw that ball to Van Jefferson in the back of the end zone. The one over the middle, uh, the non-white, the, the white guy that's not Cooper Cup. Uh, that ball went right off his hands and it got picked off. So that wasn't really Stafford's fault. He played pretty crispy all day. I saw a video earlier uh, on the last drive, the pass to Cooper Cup over the middle for 27 yards. He was looking at the tight end, uh, Bryson Hopkins, and no look past it. He drew the linebacker in on the inseam route and then threw the ball right where the linebacker vacated. It was a perfect play, a perfect throw. Stafford was good. I, I thought he was really good all day. He finished the game. 26 of 40, 283, three touchdowns, two picks, 89.9 passer rating, nothing crazy. But um, yeah, I, I thought the Rams played great. I thought the Bengals played pretty great. And uh, 
it was a little bit unexpected in the game flow, but it worked out for the Rams. Yeah, the Bengals defense played better than I thought they were. Like a lot of the the media talk that I heard was, you know, Eli Apple trash from the from the Giants, like a lot of no names, but I thought they played pretty decent. I mean, holding the Rams to 23 points, 13 in the first half. Granted, it is the Super Bowl, so they could have had jitters on both sides on offense, but I thought they played pretty well. I mean, we'll get into it in the betting segment. Good teams win, great teams cover, but yeah, I I like the game. It, it, It kept me watching the whole time, especially when the Bengals had like the first play. Um, from the second half was a touchdown. Granted, he might have, well, he, 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 he did grab his face mask. Personally, the refs up until the, the last drive for the Rams were just letting them play. Uh, it, it was tough, but um, good yeah, game. An two, enjoyable Super Bowl. Two huge ref moments. Um, Tyler Higby, offensive pass interference on that long touchdown coming out of the half. That had to be the clearest pass interference call I've ever seen and they missed it I I don't know how they missed it I mean he drugged down Ramsey by his face mask not only doing that grabbed the back of his jersey and pulled him as well it was very clear they got a touchdown out of it but the play on the final drive down by the goal line Logan Wilson holding Cooper Cup on a route over the middle of the field didn't look like a holding. I mean, he did get a little bit of him with his arm, but that's a kind of let the boys play type of play. I don't know. I mean, it helped me out in the long run, so I'm not really that concerned with it, but sucks for the Bengals. They have to look at it as we got a free play early in the game. We, we literally got a touchdown because of a missed call. So it's pretty much a watch for them. You mentioned Eli Apple. He was atrocious. I mean, he got targeted all night and he got burned multiple times. He got absolutely shredded. But the Bengals did what they did against the Chiefs. You know, the Rams moved the ball really well in the first half, and the Bengals made a ton of adjustments in the second half and came out and looked really good on defense. I was really impressed with Zach Taylor and the coaching staff and how they had the Bengals ready to play this game, especially the Bengals' run defense, which was outstanding. I had mentioned earlier that they did pretty well against the run, but the Rams went 23 carries for 43 yards and no touchdowns. That's pretty incredible. The only iffy play call for me was down at the end of the game when they had fourth down, they went for it to seal it and the Rams stopped them twice, but I still think it's the right call. And Aaron Donald made a play in the biggest moment. And Aaron Donald had an absolutely spectacular game. As many people thought he would, he finished with four tackles, two tackles for loss and two sacks, which again, he was incredible. And Then they started double teaming him and Von Miller stepped in and he only had two tackles, but they both were sacks in the game. Ernest Jones had a sack. He played really well. He finished with seven tackles in the game and Leonard Floyd had a sack and he finished with five tackles. So everyone on the Rams D line stepped up and played well. And when they doubled Donald Miller and Ernest Jones and Leonard Floyd all stepped up. And I think the biggest question going into the season and midway point of the season was all these guys that the Rams went all in on Ramsey, Miller, Odell, would it pay off for them? And I think it was a resounding. Yes. They got their super bowl and those guys stepped up in all the big moments they needed them to. Ramsey was kind of garbage. I, I know you can say that T Higgins won. He got his face mask grabbed, but on the very last play of the game where 
Burrow like was getting sacked and then had to throw it away. Like Jamar Chase burnt him. I don't know if you saw the picture. I think the Sports Center had it on Instagram. Like Jamar Chase was gone down the sideline. Ramsey fell over. He was burnt. He got burnt a few times. Like yeah, he did. He, he was a little overhyped. He's been overhyped for years, in my opinion. But yeah, I mean he he did get burned a few times. Um, he 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 did. I thought a couple things were really interesting digging into this game. I really thought Samaj P. Ryan was going to play a lot and he only ended up playing 21% of the snaps and Chris Evans got 7% of the snaps, which is crazy. Um, Van Jefferson played 99% of the snaps that had a lot to do with Odell going down, but Daryl Henderson played pretty well too for the Rams. He had a huge catch on a wheel route uh, at the end of the first half, or that was second half, but I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was a good game. It wasn't the best game I've ever seen. It was a little boring in the second half, but uh, I thought the Rams deserved it. I thought they played well enough to win, especially with Odell going down and how quick he started. And we'll get into it in the betting segment, but him and cop scoring the first two touchdowns was electric for me, but yeah, you know, solid Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there was really anything else. I mean, Joe Mixon had like a few big runs, which was, you could say, surprising because of that defensive line the Rams have. Yeah, but um, they only ran the ball 20 times for 79 yards. So they didn't light the world on fire on the ground either. That's better than I thought they would do. But uh, they definitely didn't get the run game going the way they needed to to win this game. I, I think it was situational, though, too. That's what I'm thinking of. Like, yeah, they it was like second and long or third and long and like, they got the run they needed to get a first down. Like it was bigger plays, but I'm not disappointed. No, I'm not either. And uh, honestly, what killed the Bengals, they were three of 14 on third down. Burrow took seven sacks. Four of them were on third down. They, they could not convert a third down in a big spot this entire game. And it didn't kill them on time of possession. It was pretty much even, but it killed them in big moments. And, on the other side, the Rams were six of 15. They didn't light the word on world on fire on third down, but they were good enough to win the game. They only committed two penalties the whole game. And I had said going in the Bengals would be in trouble if they couldn't force turnovers. And I think the reason their defense played so great is they had two turnovers. They picked off Stafford twice. I was wrong. I, I really thought the Rams would put an emphasis on taking care of the ball and Stafford just chucking it deep at the end of the half, which was essentially a punt. So it worked out, but the Bengals defense got their turnovers and they still couldn't win the game. Uh, kudos to the Rams. They were clearly the better team. What else? I think uh, Cooper cup, huh? All right. So I personally think Cooper cup had the greatest season ever for a wide receiver in NFL history. He won the offensive player of the year world award. He won the receiving triple crown, which is most yards, most receptions, most touchdowns. And he won Super Bowl MVP. The only other person to do that in their entire career is Jerry Rice. And he did not do it all in the same season. Cup just did it all in one season, which is absolutely incredible. He finished the regular season with 145 catches for 1,947 yards and 16 touchdowns. Those 145 catches are the mo a second most all-time by a receiver in a season. 1,947 yards are the second most all-time by a wide receiver in a single season. He finished just 17 yards shy of Calvin Johnson. They did play an extra game this year, so that definitely helped him out. But he averaged 114.5 yards per game. That's 10th all-time. 
13.4 yards per reception. And to average 13.4 yards per reception on 145 receptions is absolutely unbelievable. Ironically, Stafford was the quarterback for both his and Calvin Johnson's historic seasons, but Stafford had a passer rating of 124.8 when targeting Cooper Cup this season. And that is eight points higher than he had when targeting Calvin Johnson in 2012. Uh, the biggest thing all year was Cup was a monster on third down. He had 89 first downs this season. That's not all third down statistics, but a lot of those did come on third downs when he was draped in double coverage. And none of those stats even count the playoffs. Uh, Cup had 33 receptions in the playoffs for 478 yards and six touchdowns. And he won Super Bowl MVP. Late in that game, his biggest play of the game, what I think cemented him as the MVP, wasn't even a catch. It was a run on fourth and one, an end around, where you could argue he was dead to rights and just cut it upfield and made a play and willed that team to victory. He had the big catch over the middle, and they had the touchdown with a minute and 25 remaining. Why the Bengals put him in single coverage there, I couldn't tell you. I thought that was a huge mistake. I guess it was in case the Rams ran the ball, but they hadn't been able to do that all day. Um that was a big mistake for them. But on the day for the Super Bowl, he had 82 yards and two touchdowns on eight receptions. That was almost half of his yardage that came on the final drive. He was electric. All postseason long, he was electric. He had the huge catch against the Bucs, put him in field goal range to send him to the NFC Championship game. And in this game without Odell saying what I said coming into the game was, hey, if they double Cooper Cup, Odell could have a huge day. Well, Odell went down and they could co double cover Cooper Cup and rely on the one other Rams receiver, Van Jefferson, who was somewhat decent to not have a good game. And he was all right, but not great. I think when you combine his regular season and his postseason, it's the greatest receiving season ever by a wide receiver. That's just my opinion. I mean, what else is there to say? Like, the numbers speak for themselves. Um, usually when you see like a white guy receiver, it's a slot receiver that's just catching things down the seam or some little dump offs. He was doing it all, man. He really was. He, the amount of big plays he had, the amount of short little slants that he could catch. He, he was just, he was electric. He was the best wide receiver this year. If you had him in fantasy, you were golden all the way to the championship. I mean, He's electric. Good for him. He's going to hopefully he can keep it up. Yeah, I man. I, I mean, I totally agree. I, I think the craziest stat for him this year, he had 846 yards after the catch. That's more yards than most receivers had all season long. I, I mean, that's just absolutely absurd. He, he was incredible. Uh, oh, holy shit. Yeah. It's not like he just caught. Yeah. Deep balls or yeah. he relied on Stafford he was creating plays for the team after he got the ball all season. It was impossible to bring down. And um, yeah, I, I think it's the greatest season we've ever seen by a wide receiver. I don't know if we'll ever see something like it again, because he completed the season by winning the Super Bowl MVP. He, he had that huge catch in the NFC championship game too, at the end, like, yep. Just clutch, man, just clutch the, the game winning touch on me. Yeah. Good for Cooper cup. Definitely. Definitely. And he came from where? Like Iwu? I heard him say it in the, when they were announcing the story, like Eastern Washington. Yes. He like, came from Eastern Washington. Came from like a no name school, just lighting the league on fire. Love it, man. Love it. Yeah. Um, transitioning to some Bengals talk. 
I think the interesting narrative surrounding the Super Bowl was the Bengals were this team of destiny, but will they ever be back to the Super Bowl? Will Joe Burrow ever get back here? I'd lean no, just because it's so hard to do. And they're opening, I mean, it's the way too early lines, but they open next season tied with the um, Ravens as Super Bowl odds at 21 to 1. I don't even know if they win their division. I mean, yeah, the Steelers are going to be bad without Big Ben, but I don't think they're a better team than the Browns, and I don't think they're a better team than the Ravens. They caught fire at the right time. I'm not going to count out Joe Burrow because, again, I've said it before, but he has a little bit of that Tom Brady, just get his team there and get his team to win the game. He didn't have that magic here. I think part of it could have been his knee. Uh, He was grabbing at his knee when he was sacked in the third quarter of this game it's quite possible that he played most of the second half with a torn ACL. We won't know he's going in for further medical testing tomorrow in Cincinnati, but he played well. It's a shame for the Bengals. They were trying to get their first Super Bowl, and it's going to be really hard for them to climb this mountain again in a stacked AFC with all of the quarterbacks we've talked about. I agree. The Bengals had a little bit of that. I mean, obviously they were underdogs like all the way, I don't know if they were even – they might have been favored in the, the uh, Raiders game. But when you're an underdog, when people are counting you out, it's a lot easier to, like, play with that chip on your shoulder. But now that they have all the expectation in the world, I mean, there's probably a stat on it. Like, teams that lose the Super Bowl getting back to the playoffs the next year, like, it doesn't really happen that often. No, It'll it doesn't. Tough. Yeah, but pe- people now have their number. They're, they're a target now, so – It'll be tough. I mean, I love Joe Burrow, so you'd love to see him get back there. Like you said, dude, the AFC is so stacked. They have so He has Lamar, Lamar in his division. You got Josh Allen, Pat, Pat Mahomes. We could go on, but, yeah, I would probably lean no, too, but it's hard to count out Joe Shiesty. It is. I mean, and again, I counted the uh, Bengals out all postseason, and even in this game, they burned me. Like, like I said, I predicted the Rams being able to run the ball and run play action. That's not what they did. They sat back and shotgun a lot and threw the ball down the field because the Bengals took away that aspect of their game. I think this game solidified Zach Taylor as an elite NFL coach. I will 100% go there with it. He was great. The game plan was great. The Bengals really came out and attacked. I mean, for them to go after Jalen Ramsey was a wild move, but as you said earlier, it worked. And Ramsey didn't have a great game, and they were able to get him in a couple bad spots. But for the Rams, I think the biggest takeaway of this is Aaron Donald's a monster. He willed that defense to victory. He could go down as one of the greatest players in the history of football. He might keep playing. He might retire. There's some rumors swirling around that he might be done. If he does retire, good for him. He really has nothing else to accomplish but counting statistics. I also saw Sean McVay saying he wanted to spend more time with his family and his kids, and he hasn't made a decision on next season. I think that a lot of that is the post-Super Bowl kind of hangover thing, uh, the feeling of topping the mountain, of, of getting to the peak. I think they'll all be back next year, him and Donald and some other players. I wouldn't even rule out Odell signing a contract for another year with them on a, a low money deal now that he's injured. But I, I truly think the Rams will contend next year too. I see a lot of people saying like, Oh, it was one and done. Their division's hard. Well, Kyler wants out apparently in Arizona, the Seahawks stink. The 49ers are fine, but what are they going to do a quarterback? Are they going to have Jimmy G? Are they going to have Trey Lance? Are they going to get, you know, Aaron Rodgers over there? Probably not. So I don't know, man. I, 
I think the Rams could continue this run and continue to be good. They have a lot of good young talent. And even if they can't keep Odell, Robert Woods will be back next year. So I expect Donald and McVay to both return. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I could see Donald retiring, but McVay, dude, he, blo- football runs through his blood. There is, he's 36 years old. There's no way he's going to retire. No, there's, there's no, no way. There's no way. There's no way, dude. But to circle back to the Bengals, I mean, think about it. They were what, maybe like one or two more offensive linemen away from like not having Joe Burrow get sacked 70 times in a season. Yeah. They like, also led the postseason in sacks. I know they played the most games tied with the Rams, but they did a horrible job of protecting him. Seven sacks this game, 46% pressure rate. Like if you got Joe Burrow, I mean, Joe Mixon's getting up there in age, but if you get, get more offensive linemen, the defense was decent maybe beef that up a little bit they have weapons like I don't think it's the end of the world for the Bengals but just got to beef up the O-line for sure yeah I mean like I said I'd be shocked if they get back here considering you got I thought Buffalo was the best team um really disappointed they didn't make the Super Bowl because I thought this game would have been better if it had Buffalo in it because they I I would argue they would have won I thought they were the best team all season the best team all playoffs and they lost that heartbreaker to KC but I think if they play Cincy, that game goes a little different. Um, you got Kansas City coming back. They're still stacked. L.A. Chargers are going to be better next year. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of teams in the AFC who could be pretty dang good. And maybe the Bengals get like the Patriots in the first round and struggle. I don't know. I'm speculating a year in advance now. Uh, very sad, by the way, the football is over for the year. It has not set in for me yet, but Dude, super bummed for- about that. For me, when football season ends, that means the diet starts, the workout yep. program starts. Yep. Got to get in time. Got to get in line for Sigma Summer right around the corner. <laughs> the Instagram pics, dude, they're going to be fire. Just got to keep grinding. I'm sitting here right now eating a salad, three pieces of chicken, four eggs. Like, heck yeah. Get those bulk, bulk season right now is coming to an end. You got to trim up. Exactly. I'm just like an entire spring lettuce mix just like put olive oil balsamic on it chicken and eggs dude i'm just gotta get shredded man but it is sad football's over but i am hyped for the nba i love the nba but the nba crucial part of the season doesn't start for another two or three weeks uh and it really really doesn't start until the playoffs start now that they let freaking 10 teams in which makes no sense but I'm excited for that. I am devastated football's over. And like I said, it'll probably sink in tomorrow when I wake up. I might cry for like 20 minutes, listen to some Billie Eilish. And on that note, just want to say, I went to the Billie Eilish concert after the game last night. I know nobody cares. Uh, she was spectacular. It, it ended up being like the greatest night ever. We had a nice little Super Bowl party with the fantasy football boys. Uh, shout out Jason Mays. He ended up taking home the trophy this year got his trophy. We took a little picture, recreated the porn picture uh, with all the dudes standing behind the black couch with the girl (laughs) on the couch. Uh, I put a lampshade on my head. It was, it was pretty epic. Um, And had some great food, some great time with the boys, got to see everyone. Jake Hodgson, shout out Jake was in town from Boston, which was very cool. We even got Matt Madden to be there. It was a time, this segment is by the way, just for me recapping my friends. No one knows any of these people, but they're all fantastic. We had a great time. I went from there to Wells Fargo Center and saw Billie Eilish put on one of the best concerts I've ever seen. She is so talented and spectacular. I had a great night. It was one of the best nights I've had. 
but keeping up with my betting while I was on the subway was very tough because I was watching the game on my the end of the game on my phone. So we'll transition to that. How did you do on your Super Bowl bets, Finn? You go first. I'll pull up my my results. Well, mine looked great. I uh, predicted Rams 27-17 on the show on Friday, and I bet 15 bucks on that. It would have won like 1700 It was 13-10 to 10 at halftime. The missed extra point was so huge because otherwise it would have meant the Rams needed two field goals, but that missed extra point, fumbled snap, whatever it was, meant that all I needed in the second half was two touchdowns by the Rams and one touchdown by the Bengals, and I felt really good about that. It all fell apart. I had a Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr. anytime touchdown parlay. That hit in the first 10 minutes of the game. I was going nuts. That was electric. Um, but other than that, everything fell to shit. I had some Samaj P. Ryan anytime touchdown prop. Didn't hit. Some other stuff that were like some big prop parlays that didn't hit. I had a T. Higgins anytime touchdown parlayed into a bigger thing for props. That hit. That was about the only thing. I had a Rams minus six in there, Rams minus four and a half. None of that hit. But the anytime touchdown Rams money line parlay did hit for me. So just one thing. But uh, otherwise, it was a really, really big tease. It started out amazing and then all fell to shit in five minutes. And I think that summarizes gambling perfectly. Yeah, if you start hot, you're like, oh, I'm fucked. Like, like if it starts out good, you know, there's, there's going to be a hook coming around the corner, but I was ready to book my vacation to be- Vegas, man, and just ride out this hot streak. And then it all came crumbling down like the library of Alexandria. So me, I, uh, I, I didn't really, I didn't have any parlays. I just took like straight props. Granted, I did have some free play money, so I didn't Love lose, it. like, I, I didn't really lose like anything, but I went three of 11 on everything that I picked. Lost the national anthem by half a second. I kid you not. I sat there. I I timed it. And as soon as like the first half of the song, she was going too fast. I'm like, I'm fucked. But she, she drug out the last half. So it got close. I had 111 and a half seconds lost by half a second. I timed it on my phone. So that sucked. Did win on heads. I went absolutely insane when heads was called. Um, I get like I, I hit on the Bengals, so Bengals plus four. That's you, you always go plus four, especially, dude. How crazy is it? Like all the games ended by three points or less, except the overtime game with Cincy. Um, there might have been a few other games that didn't end within three points, but that game ended within three points. I had, I had uh, the other bet that I won was um, the Rams to score in all four quarters. That was plus 150, but like I lost on the Gatorade color being clear. Should have fucking put it in blue. That was obvious. Aaron Donald plus 500 hedge didn't hit. Um, I also had jersey number of the first touchdown score over 23 and a half because that was plus money. That didn't hit. Yeah. Um, and then I had a few anytime touchdowns that didn't hit, but, you know, yeah, not you too know- bad. Not too bad. I mean, I, I could have cleaned up huge. I, I will get into it. I did clean up huge for UFC 271 on Saturday, which was elite, but um, could have cleaned up big, ended up cleaning up modestly. Shout out Nostra Zodmus, a.k.a. Kaizad, our L.A. correspondent. He had predicted Cooper Cup 
a Super Bowl MVP on the podcast on Friday and that hit. Give him a huge shout out because Kaizad's out here just predicting the future. Um, also, like pretty much everything Kaizad said on that podcast, go back and listen to it. Hit, like came true. Like he was all over the game. Uh, pretty electric stuff from, from Kaizad. That's what you get, man. When you have Kaizad on the pod. Yeah. That's what you get. That's what you get. I mean, it's legendary. So one thing I did want to talk about was some of the Super Bowl commercials. We had some really, really good ones we'll get into. I just want to say one thing before we start. Uh, hey, Facebook, just because you committed war crimes and rebranded as Meta doesn't mean I'm going to call you Meta. And your commercial sucked. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's as a Meta commercial. Pretty fucking stupid. Um, really, really made me angry. I try not to get angry over these commercials, but it was so abhorrently a play for public attention and just so shallow and so lame. And Facebook is the lamest company ever. So screw you, Facebook. Eric, you can cut this, but did you see the Comet Pizza in that fucking commercial yeah. for Facebook? Yeah, it I did. Like, it was like the Comet Tears. I was like, yo, what is going on right now? I know. I know, man. They are really deep in the we are actually an evil empire, but we're okay with it. Like, I won't get all the way into why Facebook's rebranding the meta, but it has something to do with influencing dictatorships all around the world in elections and not in a positive way. So they suck and I hate them and I hate their commercial and no, I will not be buying an Oculus and no, I will not be going into the metaverse because I'm a human being. Put down your phones, kids. Let me get off my soapbox now. My number one commercial, dude, throwback from years ago, the talking babies for E-Trade. Yeah, that was elite. They brought them back. Bro, that was awesome, bro. I was like, yo, the talking baby, let's go. My very favorite commercial was the Sopranos Chevy Silverado commercial. Um, the music started playing. I'm like, where is this going? And then we didn't know what the commercial was for a while. And then AJ pops up. And when AJ popped up, everyone at the party just cheered. Like it was an electric atmosphere for that one. Sick commercial. I'd say the commercial that we were the most into when I was the most into, there is a uh, crypto website that Coinbase. I don't, yeah, I don't care. But they, they had a commercial with a QR code that was like bouncing around the screen, like the DVD logo. And yep. at the end it hit the corner and then they put on their thing and it worked. Like we were pulling our phones out, trying to scan the QR code to see what it was. Brilliant commercial to pay that much money to just put a QR code on there. But the way they did it was very creative. It had to be the most creative commercial I've seen in years. It was awesome. And as someone who's like into the filmmaking process, it was very simple, but very well done. And a lot of these commercials all look the same. It's an emotional commercial about a dad and a daughter or friends connecting, very front lit, shallow depth of field close up on their face or a close up wide angle shot. Yeah, we see it in every movie and now we see it in every commercial. We talked about it on the Good Soup podcast. Uh, shout out those boys, Matt and Dan. We did one last Friday on Apocalypse Now at Astra. Go check it out. But it it's sad. All the commercials look the same and that Coinbase commercial really took it in a completely different direction. I thought they did a great job. Dude, I absolutely agree. And I was like, it, it went on for like probably 30 seconds. Like it, it was a yeah, long, it was long. For, 
for just the QR code. And I didn't even think when I saw it, like, oh, are they going to make it go into the corner and end the commercial? And it actually happened. And I was like, yo, that it's so good, man. That was the loudest moment of the party. Like that, that was when it got the loudest was that QR code hitting the corner. They, they did exactly what they wanted. They got that reaction. And, and dude, in the Silverado, uh, Sopranos commercial, Meadow was driving. Did you yeah, see I that? Know. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. That was so good. Yeah, that was very good. I just like, I didn't think they were going to pull AJ in and then they see each other and hug. It, it was a perfect commercial. Um, also the Dolly Parton commercials, the, the first part. And then the second part with uh, Molly, Miley Cyrus was hilarious. Really smart. Really well done. Really like counter PC culture, which appeals to me and a lot of people. It was it was pretty sick. It was making fun of a bunch of celebrities, and I really appreciated it. Yeah, shout out to uh, NBC having an NBC commercial in every commercial block. Like, yeah, you know, we didn't even hit on that yet, but like NBC's coverage—they are just the best, man. They are just the best. Um, the, the new the sp- logos, the yeah. logos were so crisp all night. The graphics were great. The sport, the, the score bug, awesome. score bug, the new score bug. And I love that this is a thing that networks debut their new score bug at the Super Bowl. Now it's the best one by far at the moment. I, it blew me away with how good it was. And I, I'm a big score bug guy. I get really into it, but it, it was incredible. It's all the information you want, condensed, very readable and not confusing, but also minimal. They do a great job with the broadcast. They did a great job with the graphics. Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth are awesome. They kill it. And then when Michaels decides to retire, they're going to bring Tariko in and he's going to be great. They have the best cameras by any network. They put a lot of money into the visual aspect and they look fantastic. They look really crisp. They have great camera workers. Halftime show. Uh, we will hit on in a minute. That's not really NBC. That's Pepsi. But um, all of the presentation was great. I really enjoyed it. Shout out NBC. You killed it. Dude, and kind of off topic, but like the new Law and Order, like I don't watch any network TV, but I always liked the old, like just Law and Order, like the, the traditional one over SVU. Like I might actually keep my YouTube TV for like the summer so I can watch the new Law and Order. I don't yeah. know about you. I mean, I'm not that interested. Crime shows don't really do it for me, but network TV is dead. Hopefully that can bring it back a little bit. It, it looked pretty good. It looked it, pretty solid. I'm really excited and I don't really like Marvel. I don't really dig what they do and their cookie cutter formula, but Moon Knight looks awesome with Oscar Isaac. Like if you're going to put America's daddy, Oscar Isaac in anything, I'm going to watch it, but it looks really freaking good. And I am stoked for that. Yeah, they had the Kid Cudi soundtrack or the yeah. Man on the Moon in the background. I, 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 I don't really get into. To, I, I know you're. You guys are the movie guys. I'm not huge into movies. The movie I might watch, Adam Project on Netflix. Yeah, that looks pretty good. Yeah, that looked that looked pretty cool. Um, is anyone gonna sign up for Peacock? I know they had like a billion commercials, but like, nope. Is anyone? Yeah, that's that's what I thought too. Peacock but. and Paramount Plus are like the art Garfunkel and Ringo star of streaming services. No. Why would you ever sign up for either of those? Just steal someone's account or watch it on bootlegs. Like they, they don't have the content. Paramount might make me do it with the halo series. That is clearly going to be terrible, but I'm a simp for halo so they can have all my money. Uh, Transitioning to things I simp for 
this halftime show was everything I wanted and more. I don't care about the Zoomers telling me that I'm old and that they don't know who any of these people are. Cool. No one cares. It was a sick show. The set design with the trailer, with the multiple houses in it, very like Wes Anderson-esque. Dr. Dre was electric. Snoop coming out, electric. 50 Cent hanging upside down. Go shawty, it's your birthday. Uh, fire. And then Eminem comes out. And I know he's going to do Till I Collapse because it's the clean song. We said it on the, the podcast on Friday. But Anderson Pac was drumming for him, which I did not expect. And I didn't even so see that. Cool. Yeah, he had the Free Nationals were doing the music throughout it. And I didn't notice it at the time. I was like, I, I can't really see who's playing the instruments. It was the Free Nationals. And Anderson Pac comes out. The camera like pans over M walks over to another area and Anderson Pox just shredding on the drums. They had everyone shout out Kendrick Lamar. I mean, the guys coming out of the boxes and the berets and the Dr. Dre army stuff. So cool. He's so cool, man. His music is so dope. And he is, he just oozes coolness. He, he oozes swag. He could stand there and not say anything like he did at the close. Everyone put their fist up and Kendrick just, both hands on his stomach, head down. Absolutely awesome. Mary J. Blige was awesome. Dre on the key, on the uh, piano plays a little bit of the Tupac intro and then transitions right into um, some of his hits. Like it was, it was so cool. It was so good. I grew up on this music. Like this was the music of my childhood, and to hear it all played at the halftime show and presented and choreographed chore- and the choreography associated with it. All of it was spectacular. I thought it was the best halftime show I've ever seen. Yeah, for me, like it, Dr. Dre, it looked like he was having fun. Yeah. And that's what made it for me, man. It was, he just looked like he was having a good time. Snoop Dogg was living it up. I mean, it, 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 it was awesome. Um, I'd have to go back and really think about like my favorite and the best one. I, I did like the weekend last year. I don't yeah, know. Weekend was good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was good, man. And I, I know you're about to say it, but dude, it, it was so LA. They, oh my the, the God. California dreaming. Like, oh man. And people and the people in the stadium were getting into it too. Like, yeah. JV was there. Um, Bieber was there. A ton of stars were there, obviously. But the ovation they got at the end of the halftime show was the loudest point of the game. I mean, if you were there, you saw arguably the greatest concert of 2022. That was insane. And you're right. It couldn't have been more L.A. if they tried. Even with 50 and Eminem, who are not L.A. rappers, it was the most L.A. show, the white set, sparkling everywhere. Everyone's wearing white. Snoop's clearly in the blue. And it it was so L.A. It felt like for the first time I was watching a halftime show catered to the city where they were playing. And I thought on a bigger note, the whole Super Bowl did that very well. The Super Bowl was very L.A. And I think going forward, the NFL should try to recreate this every year. Where the Super Bowl is seems less and less important as years go on. Like we said with the Super Bowl logos, they're not unique anymore. Nothing unique to the city. The halftime show is usually just a random artist placed in there that everyone likes to perform. If we can do this every year, I think it would add a whole new layer to the Super Bowl, bring back the old style logos for Finn, please God, and uh, make this more of a showcase of the city. I thought that was a very cool thing. It was, man. I, I think we summed it up pretty good. Uh, 
great halftime show. Loved it. Yeah, spectacular. Um, that's all I got on the game. I thought, like you said, great experience overall, really memorable Super Bowl. I'll say the rock in the beginning doing all that intro shit. That was weird. Um <sighs> I'm fine with it because it was the Super Bowl. Like, that's not going to be an every game thing. But, like, it's it's the last game of the year, biggest game of the year. Like, all the extra theatrics and, like, that was so L.A. as well. Like, I'm fine with it. Like, wh- whenever they overdo shit at the Super Bowl, I'm fine with it because I get it. Like, they got to pull out all the stops. But, eh, like, he's on the field and shit, and it's like, dude. And, and then they, they announced the Rams first. And I legitimately thought that it was over. Like he wasn't going to talk about the Bengals, but then he, he eventually did. So that was good. Yeah. The weird part was like both special teams units were on the field when he did it. So he was like talking about McPherson and McPherson was standing like 20 feet behind him. That was weird. It was just really weird. It was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Like I get if he were to do it after the national anthem, when they're getting ready for the coin toss or whatever, but to do it like after the coin toss when both special teams units are standing on the field was really, really weird to me. Uh, it felt like something they threw in at the last minute there. And I love The Rock. I thought he did a good job. I, he basically did a WWE entrance for this. Uh, Bruce Buffer should watch his back because The Rock might take his job after that. But I, it, it was cool. It just felt weirdly placed within the game. Yeah. Could have done without that. But if, if, if that's the thing that I could have done without the whole day, whatever. I'm fine oh, with it. One more thing that I just thought of on commercials. Seeing Larry David sell out for crypto really made me, my feelings hurt because I couldn't give two fucks about cryptocurrency. Okay. I'm a normal person. And like all of these celebrities are selling out for the payday. And I kind of understand why he did it. They literally let him do a, a, a Curb Your Enthusiasm skit as a commercial, which is pretty cool. But no one gives a fuck about NFTs and no one gives a fuck about crypto. So stop shoving the ads in my face. I, I literally could not care less. And the fact that Larry did it, it, it did make me sad in the first half of that game. A lot of electric vehicle commercials too. That'll make all the, the climate people happy. I mean, GM is converting their entire fleet of vehicles to electric by 2023. So good for the globe, good for America, good for the world. I like that. I like drive an electric car if you can, people, if you can afford it right now. It was like, it was almost like every commercial block had something. They had the, uh, the wall mount charger, um, the Silverado that's, that's electric. It was a ton of electric cars. God damn it. I want a cyber truck so bad, dude. I, I just want to be in Blade Runner 2049. I want a Cybertruck so bad that if there's one item, like Apple always advertises, like our item is the item of the future. And it's just some bullshit, like updated version of what they already have. The Cybertruck feels like the future. Like when we get the Cybertruck, it, we're in the future. It looks like a, a, a moon vehicle. It's wild. Regular Teslas kind of look like that too. They look more like normal cars, but yeah, they do. But I mean, like the the metallic color and the yeah. finish on it, just everything about it. It looks like a Minecraft car brought to life, and I'm all about it. I'm in. Sign it me does. up. And you mentioned Apple. I didn't see a single Apple commercial. Nah, they don't need to run commercials during the Super Bowl. Everyone knows who they are. Like that's kind of the thing. I I, I didn't either. Um. Bro, they, they have more cash than any company in the world. Like they could, they could have just thrown a bone out there for me, but uh, yeah, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But transitioning away from the Super Bowl, 
Uh, just want to give a Ben Simmons, James Harden update. James Harden arrived in Philly today, and there was just a picture of him like smiling and yelling with his hands up, and Embiid's laughing next to him like he's screaming for joy. He looks uh, trim. He looks really slim. He looks really hot, really sexy. I really like him in the, the Sixers blue. You know what I mean? It looks really, really good on him. It's a gray color for him. I am so in, and I am so excited. I am a, a homer, and I would cape for the Sixers saying they have title chances forever, but I really do feel like they could win this year, and I am so excited to watch him play. If he plays tomorrow against the Celtics and they win, and he drops like 40 on the the I don't have words to describe how much I hate the Celtics, but if he drops 40 on the Celtics and they win at Wells Fargo, I might just run down the street naked. Like I am so in, I'm so ready. Dude, he went to a karaoke bar too. Yeah, like, you're damn right. Weekend. <laughs> Sin City, the strip club in Philly and uh, amongst other places had a, a graphic. They have a big uh, LED screen behind where the strippers dance. And they had a stripper with a basketball over her coochie. Uh, or Beaver, whichever you prefer. And the screen behind her said, James Harden, welcome to Philadelphia with his picture. I hope this never dies. I hope he hits every strip club in Philly. I'm ready for it. I'll see you there, James. Um, <laughs> I, I love every minute of this, dude. And he looks like he's happy, which what we've seen with Harden is when he tunes out, he's not good. But when he buys in and he's all ready to go, he's one of the greatest players of all time. And I think we might get that. I'm not banking on it, but I think we might get it, and I'm so ready. Transitioning to Ben Simmons, I have put out a lot of Ben Simmons hate. I do not like him. Philly does not like him. I do want to say one thing about it. It is not Philadelphia is not an easy city to play sports in. We are mean. We are disparaging, and most of the time, really, really harmful to the careers of players by the way we cover sports and how we talk about them. Most Philadelphia sports fans don't know a damn thing about the sport they're talking about, but they speak so passionately and with so much vitriol that it comes across as ignorant. They love their teams. And I'll take loving your team and being an idiot over what LA is, which is not caring and also not knowing the sport. So at least Philly gets one of those two things right. Ben Simmons was never built to play in this city. He might go to Brooklyn and play well. I don't think he will. And I think that locker room is a disaster now with him and Kyrie. I'm just counting down the days. I had said previously, like, Kyrie's mental health issues. I'm not saying that judgmentally. I'm saying it matter-of-factly. He has issues. And adding Ben Simmons into that with Kevin Durant being the alpha and it's going to demand perfection from Ben, it, it's going to implode for them. I'm excited to watch that happen. I'm excited to see him fail and I'm excited to see the Sixers succeed. I mean, I'm, dude, I don't know. I'm, I'm here for the storylines with the, with the nets personally. Yeah. But um, we'll see, we'll see if he can even shoot. Like, I, dude, I don't know what Ben Simmons is going to do when, when you don't even, when you can't even take your college team to the tournament, like what were they thinking? Has but, he improved at all since his rookie year? Like, that's all I want to know. Like he, he hasn't, he, he still does the same thing where he fades away from the basket on layups and takes hook shots. He misses a lot at the rim, which people don't talk about. He can't score when it's his own offense. He needs to create. Yeah. He's a great defender and passer and can, can move up and down the floor in transition. But in the playoffs, that's not going to work, and he's not going to be on the floor late in games. So they're going to be paying a guy $175 million plus 
to sit the entire last five minutes of a game. It's, it's baffling to me. People compare him to Draymond. Draymond makes big plays and hits big shots and big moments. Ben doesn't do that. So I don't know. I'm interested to see how it works for them. Um, and you talking about Philly being a tough place to play. I was talking to a friend or he sent me a meme, uh, about Jalen Rager. And I was like, yo, you Eagles fans are going to Ben Simmons, Jalen Rager. Well, he, he's Ben Simmonsing himself. He's, he's a shit player. Um, but you're not wrong. Like Philly goes above and beyond the pale of this is acceptable. And it's their fault. Their teams never win championships because they harass their players. Maybe if they didn't, their guys would develop. I mean, it takes a guy like Joel to succeed and look at Joel Embiid. People called him out of shape. People called him fat because this is Philly and we're ridiculous. And he used it as fuel and got better. And he encapsulates the personality of the city perfectly because he gets it. So if you play here and you get it, it's a different thing. And if they get behind you, I mean, look at Nick Foles. Nick Foles is a legend in Philadelphia forever. He's not a good quarterback. Uh, no one's going to remember him except for that one Super Bowl. But he has in, a statue. In Philly, he has a statue. Yeah, he's an icon. So if you do win here, it's better than winning anywhere else. But to play here, and that's why we never get free agents, because everyone still listens to sports talk radio, and everyone still watches the sports that they don't understand and talks about them like they're experts, and they're not. They don't get basketball, and they don't get football but they're here for it and they support it with all of their heart. And that counts for a lot more than people give them credit for. But Ben was never built to succeed in this city was my overarching point. Facts. Yeah. It, it's, it's Delco. Just, just blame all, blame all the hate on Delco. <laughs> I was born and raised in Delco. I like to say that my area of Newtown square is more mainline than Delco. Uh, and I will stand by that. And I will refuse to admit that I am from Delco, but I guess I am. Yeah, so that's what that's why you're such a firecracker, bro. Yeah, it is. It's in you my got that blood. Delco blood. I, I yeah. know it's in my blood. I tried to get a blood transfusion to get it out of my blood, but you know, they you can take the boy out of Delco, but you can't take Delco out of the boy, unfortunately. So it's damn right. Um, one last NBA thing. I was looking at the slam dunk contest, and the lineup is a joke. Like Cole Anthony is in the NBA dunk contest. Um. I was looking at the three-point contest, and there are some like really interesting names. The three-point and the, the uh, skills challenge are my favorite. And they're doing a cool thing with the skills challenge this year where they're making it three teams. There's a host city team, which will be the Cavaliers. There's a team Antetokounmpo, which is the three Antetokounmpo brothers. Um, and I'm pulling a blank on what the other team is right now. But... That's cool. I like that. I'm interested to see that three point contest is my favorite just because it's a skill. It is truly a skill competition and it's about how many threes and there's some good contestants, but Steph Curry isn't doing it. And the dunk contest has Cole Anthony, Juan Toscano Anderson, ain't no stopping Obi Toppin and Jalen Green. That's a joke. I mean, that's a joke. If you watch the slam dunk contest, you're an idiot. Uh, It's already a pretty dumb event. that's based on subjectivity, but it's pathetic. Like you couldn't get anyone other than Cole Anthony to be in this? Are you kidding me? And then I looked into it and I was like, oh, it's in Cleveland. Don't hold the all-star game in Cleveland. No one wants to go to Cleveland. If this all-star game was in a city that mattered, Steph would be in the three-point. I bet guys would go earlier and have fun. I'm not, I mean, I am shitting on Cleveland. I'm sorry, Cleveland, but none of these guys want to go to Cleveland for all-star weekend. That's an obvious statement. I bet you they have strip clubs. I, I don't know. 
Yeah, but I mean, that is true. And they, they probably have a club or two that's fun, but you're not going to go like, oh, I'm going to walk around the streets and hang out like you're in L.A. or New York or a big city. Even have it in like Dallas, but don't have it in Cleveland, man. It just seems seems o- over the top. And I can't wait for how much of a how much the NBA is just going to blow LeBron James because it's in Cleveland. <laughs> it's going to yeah. be absolutely repulsive. Uh, he's uh, probably going to MC the whole damn event. Yeah, it's going to be gross. But uh, call me a degenerate if you want. I would probably take Obi Toppin in the slam dunk contest. Hell yeah. Ain't no stopping Obi Toppin. Yeah, dude. That guy, he's actually, I think I saw some dunks, like just like highlights from practice or something. He's electric dunking yeah, the ball. So. He is. I uh, I love Obi Toppin. I caped for him since he's come into the league. Like I watch a lot of Knicks games because of my roommate. And every time they play, I'm like, ain't no stopping Obi Toppin. Every time he comes on the court, every time he scores a basket, he's elite. Um, one thing I do want to hit on. So Nickelodeon does the broadcast for the first playoff game for CBS now. Yep. Cartoon Network is airing a Teen Titans Go edition of the AT&T Slam Dunk Contest. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I'm definitely going to watch it. I hate Teen Titans Go. The original series is one of my favorite shows ever. Back before they put it on HBO Max, I had to buy the DVD set because you couldn't find it anywhere. It's one of the greatest cartoons in the history of time. Teen Titans Go is not good, but, you know, it is like their money-making show. I'm finding it very interesting that they're just straight up copying Viacom and Nickelodeon uh, for this. But I'll probably watch that version because it'll beat watching the regular version of four guys I don't care about dunking a basketball. Oh, dude, I always watch the alternate channel, like the, the Manning cast for Monday Night Football. Nickelodeon. Oh, yeah. You're damn right. I'm going to look for the slime cannons. Yeah. Yeah. And this, it'll be cool to see what they do. Yeah, man. Um, That's enough NBA. Not, not a super busy week. We went over the deadline. The last thing I want to hit on, on this podcast is UFC 271. We had talked about previewing it on Friday. I'll go over the results real quick. Uh, Bobby Green beat that guy whose name I couldn't pronounce. We didn't talk about that fight. So who cares? Kyler Phillips pulled out of the fight and didn't make weight. So Renato Mulciano actually won um, in round two by submission. That was fine, whatever. Uh, I had a parlay going into this of Israel Adesanya, Tai Ivasa, and Jared Kananer. Kananer won by TKO in the second round. Tai Ivasa shocked Derek Lewis in the second round of this fight and won. And Israel Adesanya won a somewhat controversial decision, but I still thought he won the fight. It's an overarching trend. It's now two fights for Izzy where he kind of just sits back and wins on points. It's really disappointing, but if that's how he thinks he has to win the fight, I'm not going to criticize him. He's the one getting in the ring and defending his title, and he did that. Um, It was a pretty boring fight, to be honest, for a main event. I want to get your take on it in a minute. Just want to touch on Tai Tuivasa. He might be my favorite fighter now. I don't think he really has a shot to beat Nganu or Cyril Gan, but he got pieced up. So he went in in the, sec- in the beginning of the second round, and he hits Lewis really hard, and Lewis staggers. Lewis goes into war mode and hits him with a straight right, 
and almost knocks Tuivasa down. Like you could see it in his eyes. He was really stunned. He bit down as hard as he could on his mouth guard and went in and just hit him with the right, hit him with the left, stunned Lewis, went in and knocked him out with an elbow and Lewis dropped to the floor. And for Tuivasa to knock out Derek Lewis, who has the most knockouts in the history of the UFC, is remarkable. That elbow was ground shaking. It was deafening. And Lewis just dropped like a sack of potatoes right on the ground. It was electric. He was awesome. Uh, I thought this was a great card. My parlay hit, which I was super happy about. And it gave me some funds to bet on the Super Bowl with. Yeah, I, I blogged about it last night. Um, so I have both the main event fights blogged. But I mean, Derek was obviously winning the first round. He, he just he grappled with him. Um, he was punching him. Ty was definitely down going into the second round, but God, the way he held Derek's head with his left hand and then just sniped him with the elbow. Oh God. That was I, I was, I didn't have any money on it, but I still enjoyed the fight. Like it was all you could ask for, man. The people's main event, two of the best, two, two beloved characters. I mean, Good for Ty Tuivasa. Derek, it'll be interesting to see what happens to him. Um, people were saying after the fight during the press conference, like Ty might be up in like the top five. He definitely top will three. be. I mean, he's top three now. Yeah. It's, I mean, number one ranked challenger is definitely Cyril Gaon still. Tuivasa might be two. I don't know. Yeah, depending know. on it. Because Stipe's, is Stipe up there? I mean, Stipe's number one if he's still fighting, but he hasn't fought since he lost. So I really don't know. I really don't know if he's waiting for Ngano and he's going to do that again. I love Stipe. He's one of my top three favorite fighters ever. I don't know if he should come back and fight Ngannou again. I think that might be a bad decision. Well, I, I think Ngannou is not going to come back to the UFC. I think there's going to be an interim belt between uh, Cyril Gan and maybe Tai Tuivasa. Yeah, he might have just put himself up there. If they're going to do interim... I feel like it would be Cyril Gaon. I would be Taito Ivasa Stipe. Cyril Gaon's got two chances now. I would find it very hard to believe that Dana would roll him out there for an interim belt after he just lost an interim belt. But we'll see. Um, I think that Ngannou's going to fight. I, th- I don't think they're going to figure out the contract, but with how much the UFC could sue him for, for his lack of willingness to uh defend his belt and I, again you could be right i just i don't think that's gonna happen yeah, but we'll I, see i watched yeah i, I watched Nganu after the fight on uh brendan Schaub's food food truck diaries and he really just it didn't the way like his body language the way he was answering questions it just didn't seem like it, it feels like he wants to go box uh, Fury, Anthony I'm Joshua, Wilder. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd watch it. He's got a box Fury. That's the only way it's going to make money. Tyson Fury is my favorite uh, athlete going right now. And I would love to see Tyson Fury fucking destroy Francis Ngannou because he will. But, I like Francis Ngannou, but he ain't beating Tyson Fury in a boxing match, bro. But back to, so then the main event, ah, it's so, when you're fighting the champion, this is my mindset. It has to be undoubtedly that you beat him. Yeah. I would say Whitaker won two rounds. So 
I side with what was that 48, 45, 46 is, is what it would be, yeah. I guess, or 48. Yeah. So I think he won two rounds, but you know, if you don't come out there and like rock him, if you don't come out there and just absolutely dominate with top control, like Izzy's defense was incredible. Whitaker yeah. had some, had some shots to take him down. He did take him down, but he didn't capitalize. And, and you can read all this in the blog. He just didn't capitalize on when he took him down. He always let him get up. Now, Izzy probably was forcing himself to get up, but like when you're on top of a guy, you just got to go full mount, lay the punches on him, go for a submission. Like there was nothing, dude. He, he Whitaker, like he had the opportunities. Yeah, he had the takedowns, but in my opinion, it, it just wasn't enough to dethrone the champ. When you take on the champ, you got to, it has to be undoubtedly that you deserve the belt. He didn't do it in my opinion. Izzy's Izzy. I mean, he's one of the best fighters. He, he has a brand new contract. I think he's the highest paid fighter behind McGregor. So that it, that's how I saw it. I, I, I don't think Whitaker won. Shell Sonnen was very outlandish saying that Whitaker won four, four rounds. Yeah. Not in I, my book. I had Whitaker winning three, four, and five, but I, I don't have a problem with anything you just said. I think you're right. Unless you go in and take the belt from someone, they're not going to give it to you in a decision. Um, we saw, I thought Usman clearly beat Covington, but we saw like kind of the same thing where that was a pretty close fight and they gave it to Usman because he had the belt. Um, this one I think was even more kind of murky on who won. I'm okay with the decision. I wouldn't have given it to Whitaker. I am disappointed that that Izzy fought that way. But if that's how he thought he had to win, again, I'm not a fighter and I don't know. So if that he did what he had to do and he won the fight and we'll see him fight again. His last two fights have been super duper boring and I'm not excited to watch him fight again. But one thing I do want to hit on our next UFC event coming up, UFC 272 on March 5th, Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal. There will not be a better storyline heading into a fight than that fight. They used to live together. They were roommates. And then Colby Covington did the whole wrestling heel personality. He's a piece of shit. He's a fucktard and I hate him. Uh, And he said some really disparaging things about Masvidal and Hispanic people. And Masvidal was like, yeah, man, you didn't always act like this. You're a fraud. I'm out. And I really hope Masvidal kicks his ass. I don't think that'll happen. I think Covington will win pretty easily, but if Masvidal beats him, I will be ecstatic. And that's it. The main card isn't great for that fight. You got Rafael Dos Anjos fighting, which is cool. But on the preliminary card, we get Greg Hardy again. Oh, great. Which it's really fun to watch him get knocked out. Um, just because, you know, he's a piece of shit. And Umar Namurgavanov is going to fight. He was added to the card, which is really interesting to me. Um, dude, how, how many are, are these because like, the Islam is Nurmagomedov too, right? Or no, no, he's Makhachev. I love uh, Islam. Okay. Can't wait to see him fight again. Yeah. Islam is going to be a problem, but dude, I am so excited for 272. Like w- when they played after the pay-per-view, they, they played the, uh, like the, the promo for it, bro. It felt like a 2 PM, uh, soap opera. Like, bro, it was like, it was like, I was watching a soap opera. Like we knew each other. We were brothers. Now we're enemies. Like all this other drama and shit, dude. Yeah. And I mean, I watched, dude, I watched 15 different videos on what happened to Covington and Masvidal. Like what's the beef? 
all this other shit. Like, dude, I am so excited for it. Yeah, I mean, it's a really one-sided thing, though, where, like, Covington's going to be like, we were buddies, and then he turned on me, and Masvidal's going to be like, nah, you just pivoted to a racist piece of shit and wore the Trump hat, you fucked hard. And if anyone's going to go in there and win a fight that no one gives them a chance in, it's Masvidal. Uh, that moment he had with why am I pulling, Ben Askren is still all time. It's all time. Another thing that came out, I think you were the one that sent this to me, the Dana White text messages with Jake Paul. Did you see this? Yeah. Yes. Oh my God, dude. It is absolutely incredible. I'm just going to read you real oh, quick. These not. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Fuck. I just, Jake Paul says, stop being a bitch and pay fighters more or I don't give a fuck either way. I will put you out of business. You bald headed fuck. Dana responds. You wasted all that money on the dish track only to dig your own grave. Jake Paul, I know you sent the hitman after me because of the distract. Dana White, yes, I sent D. Jake Paul, D who? And Dana White, D's nuts, you goofball. <laughs> Two things. One, Jake Paul's an idiot. The, I, I, by the way, I love it. I think it's hilarious. Um, he got hit with the oldest trick in the book at this point. It's, it's older now than the finger on the shirt flip up to your nose when you look down move. And second, if you get called a goofball, I feel like that's ultimate disrespect. Like if you're really mad at someone and they respond by calling you a goofball and how unbothered that comes off, that's, that's an L. That's a huge L for Jake Paul. Bro, why did he release those? Like he looks like an absolute idiot. Yeah, I have no idea. I, I always am skeptical now because you can fake messages so easily whether that's real or not. But I think the goofball line like really solidifies that that was Dana White because that that's very on brand for Dana. I don't know why Jake Paul released it. I don't really know why Jake Paul does anything that Jake Paul does. Um, Dude, Dana White pulling out the D's nuts. I, I'm honestly, that's might be the most shocking thing I've seen in years. Yeah, he's the greatest man to run any of the sports leagues. Say what you want about the paying fighters and all of that. It's not great. But like his personality and his unapologetic way of saying, I believe this, fuck you if you want to argue with me. He's awesome. He's the GOAT. We missed Joe Rogan on this UFC card. And I was very confused because after the fight, Dana was like, yeah, we thought he would be here. So we're not really sure why. And he called the scheduling conflict thing that Rogan said bullshit. So I really hope we don't lose Joe Rogan in the UFC because he is the best commentator for any sport. Everything else aside, I'm not making a statement on Joe Rogan, but he's the best at what he does. And I really hope we don't lose him. And we really missed him here because DC in the octagon post fight is not joe rogan oh, and michael bisping like get the i fuck like bisping you don't oh, like bisping no oh. miss me with that dude he's dude, got a great he, youtube he, channel though he sounds like a fucking idiot like i don't know like when he was announcing like i guess bisping's all right as a guy but like announcing the yeah, bar not, like it, it was so really much good. worse so yeah. much worse the, the thing is too like if you're going to compare him to the guy who normally does it which is rogan so bisping comes in when rogan's not calling it especially with Anik and DC still on the call, it highlights Bisping's shortcomings because Rogan is that good. Like he is yeah. the best commentator for any sport is his commentating on UFC. So I really hope this isn't an issue. I really hope we get him back because it doesn't feel like a big fight card unless Joe Rogan and DC are screaming in the background. 
Yeah. And yeah, it absolutely. But I'm really hyped for 272. I can't wait. It's what, like March 5th, yeah. I think. And yeah. it's really a one fight fight card. I am really upset that it's been two straight cards now, like counting 272 coming up, that there hasn't been a female fight on the main card. Because I, I dig the female fights, especially some of the younger fighters coming up, but they're probably just waiting for a fight that they can market. Um, like to see Miranda Maverick get another shot, even though she's lost two straight, she's sick. Uh, you know, we'll see. I, I think as the year goes on, we really don't get the big boy fights until April. There's going to be some belt fight in April they haven't announced yet, but we'll get that beginning of April. I, I'm excited. We're, we're moving into UFC season. There's a lot of belts to get decided and settled. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Hell yeah. Well, I think that wraps up the weekend in sports quite nicely. Um, thank you all for joining us on the Victory Formation podcast. We'll be back giving you guys the best breakdown in sports on Friday's show. Don't know what we're going to hit on yet, but I'm sure the sports gods will give us some NBA, maybe some college basketball. Maybe Finney's betting corner makes its debut on Friday's show, headed into you know the new reality of sports weekend, which is no NFL. Hey, I got a uh, little quick teaser. I got my uh, L.A. Lakers guy coming on. Oh, yeah. Why don't you tease it up for us? Yeah, he's probably one of the best basketball minds I've ever been around. Um, He's a huge LeBron fan. Um, He's an he's a LeBron over MJ type of guy. He's been watching the Lakers all year. Hates hates Westbrook. um, So we'll definitely hear that. He'll preview the uh, what was that? I said we will agree on that. Yep. Yep. Um, he'll preview all-star weekend for us. Um, it should be pretty good. Yeah, man. Can't wait. We're going to get into some major NBA stuff on the Friday pod. So it's like, God damn it. Now I have to bet on basketball. Yeah, man. You're going to have to use league pass. Uh, I will be on league pass all the time. If Ryan Rosillo can watch seven games a night, then I can watch eight. That's all I got to say. So (laughs) I will be locked in on NBA. I'm ready. I'm ready to sink my teeth into it. Well, like I said, this has been the Victory Formation Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Have an awesome rest of your week, and we'll see you on Friday with some NBA All-Star content. Right. See ya. I keep that thing on me. God damn it, Bobby. They see me selling propane, and now they trying to copy Pretend to be broke, but I got hella cash. If you use charcoal, I'ma kick your ass. Made this money from propane, bitch. I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch. Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments. Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement. Made this money from propane, bitch. I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch. Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement That's my purse, I don't know you If you running up then I pull out this 32 Bitchy's big, Bobby spitting heat in the stew I got rats on rats and you ain't got a clue God damn it Bobby Shut the fuck up when I'm on the block, bitch, I fucking shit Oh man, goddamn Bitch, I'm pulling out, painting clouds on my walls Bout to go kick my dad in the balls Made this money from propane, bitch 
I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch. Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments. Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement. Made this money from propane, bitch. I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch. Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments. Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement. Oh man, goddamn. Bobby, I know you were capping the whole time, boy. I know you get no bitches and no hoes and no paper, no bands, boy. All you do is sit in the fucking basement all day and play World of Warcraft with your bitch ass, jerking off to hentai all day with your ugly ass, man. Bobby, you need to go get a fucking job or something, man. I'm about to kick you out of the house, dude.